all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> you got me on that one. Yeah, sure. I thought I'd do a sneak attack. <laughs> we were just talking about how clear my voice is compared to yours. Um, that is to say, I'm shriller than you are. <laughs> there you go. I'm okay being shrill. Sure. I'm okay being shrill. <laughs> <laughs> just realized how shrill that was. <laughs> hmm. We are doing a rather unusual daytime recording. Yeah. But still drinking. But we still have have our beers, just in case. (laughs) I found yet another couple peanut butter and jelly times from Catawba. And I amazingly found my national local beer. I I can't imagine how (laughs) difficult that must have been. it's It's a surge. It takes effort. I think they probably sell Miller Lite at... Every store ever that sells alcohol. Probably. Or, or it Something sells like beer. Yeah. Yeah. Except for like an actual brewery. That, that'd be That's true. That's, <laughs> That's true. That'd be about the only place you can't get. Can't get a Miller Lite at the Catawba Brewery. It's hard to find even light beers at a brewery. Yeah, it is. Some it, It's getting a Most little Most of them make at least one nowadays. Yes. It's getting a little more like a... a 5.4 is maybe the lowest you can usually yeah, there, find. There are some you can get like 4.5. Those are usually the think, lighter I don't ones. think anything under four. I'm not sure no. if I've ever seen anything is like anything that. Is anything under four worth drinking? Like just drink a soda. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you, you have a good point there. <laughs> what are what are Miller Lights? I feel like we've been over this before. I but think they're like four and a half, five yeah. percent, something like that. Oh, okay. Wait, five percent is considered light? Five? Yeah. Really? Kind of, yeah. I feel like five percent is kind of like standard. Well, yeah, who knows? Whatever. <laughs> Standard light. As we um, delve into the finer points on ABV. Yes. But uh, do you want to do any talking about the hurricanes, or are you not wanting to talk about it right well, now? Well, I mean... We're uh, recording this on the Wednesday before it comes out. On the Wednesday before... Oh, This uh, episode comes out. Okay. Yeah. Yes, so they went down three to nothing last night. Um Really, I mean, game two, they played terribly. <clears throat> but in game one, and especially last night, the Bruins goaltender just is in their head and completely owns them. And that, that happens. That's what, a, that's what a true number one does. Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask. Who looks like a douchebag in his little uh, <laughs> he doesn't team look, picture. He doesn't look like a douchebag. He just looks foreign. <laughs> no, he doesn't look foreign. He looks yeah, like he the... he looks foreign. No, he looks like the He kid. looks like he's from the Czech Republic. No, he looks like the kid in fifth grade that everybody hated because he was just dick. That, that, it's the that eyebrows. Could, could it's be. all in the eyebrows. Yes, it is. So, having <laughs> said all that... We are down three to nothing, most likely not coming back. But as long as we don't get swept, we still have one more, at least one more home game tomorrow night. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll know. By the time this episode comes out, most likely the Bruins are already in the final. Aww. But I'm whatever. Sorry. What's hey, going on with the other series? That is tied one one. That okay. game three is tonight. Okay. Um, that is the uh, Sharks and the Blues. Mm. From which cities? The Blue Sharks from. Uh, <laughs> The St. 
St. Louis Blues mm-hmm. and the San Jose Sharks. Yes. There you go. I was going to say Columbus, but that's the Blue Jackets. That it is. So, but you can see where I would get it mixed up in my mind. There's blue yes. in both. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could mix those up if you're not fully aware. That's okay. But yeah. You, but you didn't, so I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I, my prediction is that it will be uh, St. Louis and Boston in the final. Mm. That'll be a good final. Go St. Louis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. They've never won a cup, so. Yeah. Yeah. Boston's had too many victories recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love the town of Boston. Love uh, the town of Boston. Hate the sports teams. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, either way, uh, just six weeks ago, anybody in this town would have been ecstatic that the Hurricanes just made right, it into the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. And then when they ripped off winning two series, people's mm-hmm. expectations go... Go up with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Yeah. I think everybody... I'm a little sad today. I think everybody in the city is a little sad today, but I think once the smoke clears and it's all over, people will be like, well, hey, that was a pretty good run. Well, and we got a plenty, plenty of future runs left in us because we have a very thing. young team. That's the thing. It might just be the, like, we might just be used to being in the playoffs every yeah. year moving forward. I wouldn't know what that feels like, but <laughs> I'm excited to get to know what that feels like. There you go. There you go. Um, we are also doing a very adult thing and getting our wills done. Speaking of morbidity. Yeah, we got to speak a lot about death today. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> our deaths specifically. We, we didn't we didn't tell her uh, we didn't tell her the value of our show. Well, that's because <laughs> that's because there's not much monetary value to this no. show. No. It's more the uh, the goodwill value, yes. the friendships. You can't put a price on that. Here's to say, if you find out that we're both dead, it's anybody out there, Abby and Emma, Zach, whoever co-hosts, you, you can pick up the show. We yeah yeah yeah. Go right ahead. Sure. You use this as evidence. Yeah yeah. Because who's gonna sue you? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's gonna care. Yeah. Our family does. <laughs> Our ghosts might come part. back and haunt you. Ooh, and then you can turn into a ghost. But podcast. we won't. But we won't sue you because we won't be physically capable <laughs> of doing true. that. That's true. I've never heard of a ghost being able to bring suit against anyone. No, that'd be pretty interesting <laughs> if it happened, though. <laughs> it would be. Um, uh, speaking of uh, legal cases, we might have to record a little bonus episode called "Rachel Rants on Row." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Because of the shit that's going down. Uh, so, but I won't take up t- too much time here because it could go on a bit. Yeah, just a bit. Just, just a bit. So, any housekeeping? Oh, if you're the Canadian who wanted the Humboldt <laughs> script, so uh, Emily remembers us saying that too. I, I remember you saying that. So yeah. I just need to figure out who you are. I'm so sorry. Oh, well, I how did they to... get in touch with you initially through well, that's email? That's what I don't remember. It was either so it was either email. Facebook message or Twitter or Instagram message. Instagram message, it's just, okay, there's that's a, a good lot one. of ways. That's a good way to shout out uh, all of our social needs. <laughs> yes, at All Bad Things Pod on all. Um, it's just really, I usually do a really good job of keeping track. I've started slipping recently. If you have a, a topic suggestion, by the way, best way to tell me is email because it's searchable. So then I make sure that I don't forget anybody, um, even though apparently I have. Um, but anyway, I'll keep looking for the Canadian. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like it was Instagram. An Instagram comment. There you go. Uh, I have to look at that, and that graphic uh, on Instagram. That will be a, a launch into our new mini series called The Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian. 
our search, our true crime, uh, our investigative journalism podcast where we look for the Canadian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually came up with a good idea for like a horror movie um, after just watching that Price is Right documentary Mm -hmm. we just watched. We should mention what that is. What was it called? I can't remember. The high, the perfect bid or something. Something like that. It was about a guy who just like made it his hobby to memorize the price of everything on the prices right. Yes. He became like a little um, database of prices right prices to the point where he could he could really help people who got made and it he, on and in, he in did. the audience. Yeah, he and he, he helped somebody get the perfect, the perfect showcase bid. Yes, but anyway, so what was so based on that? What was your horror movie idea? Oh, I'm not gonna say. Oh. <laughs> Because you're going to write just, the screenplay? Yes. Okay. I just have an idea. Mm. It, it, it's an intertwining of um, something going terribly wrong with a podcast. Oh. Mm. Let's hope it doesn't happen here. <laughs> Let's hope not, but you never know. You know what's really sad? If something happened to both of us, like the only clue most of our... Like our Twitter followers, Instagram followers would have is just that they never hear from us. Yeah, that just Isn't everything that horrible. Everything goes blank. That's horrible. I'll have to um, tell my sister my. Uh, we'll, we'll have to put that in our phone. will as well. <laughs> yes, my phone code so that she can get in and and just write a little something to everybody. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> Sorry, the hosts are dead. Goodbye. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You've got, you know. Well, by the time that happens, maybe oh. we'll be at our hundredth. Oh, you have, hopefully, you have hundreds of episodes to listen to. Yes, in their memory. Enjoy the back catalog. Yes, and the memories. Thanks for the memories. All right, should we get on to our normal morbid? <laughs> Probably should. Stuff. All right. So this week's disaster was suggested by and had contributory research from Michelle. Oh, Our okay. listener, Michelle, yes, that's right. who is starting her own podcast yes. with her husband. Um, damn it, I meant to write this down. He knows stuff about railroads. Let's yes, just say that. Yes, he does. I forget what his actual, like she told me exactly what he does. I'll have to plug that next time. Um, but they are starting their own podcast, the Cornfield Meat Podcast. Mm-hmm. M-E-E-T. Yes. <laughs> Not meat, as in... I think not am meat. I using the same jokes that I used last time? You I did, like but I, I was going to say I was going to say not meat as in meat is murder. Although it is, it is not really. Well, it's also called nature. Survival Nature's pretty mur- murdery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I read lots of stuff about Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this is actually something. It apparently was pretty. Oh. Damn it, the dehumidifier. Sorry about that. If you that. just left it on the whole time, nobody would have noticed. But it's like whirring in the background. It'll be better this way. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, the, this seemed to have been something that would be very famous and um, memorable when it happened. Mm-hmm. But I don't. A, I don't remember it. I was very little. And B, uh, I haven't heard of it since. So this was new okay. to me. A new to me disaster. Maybe so. I've heard of it. Let's see. So this is the story of the Pepcon explosion. Nope. So so far not ringing a bell. Mm-mm. Okay. On May fourth, nineteen eighty-eight, a series of explosions at the Pacific Engineering and Production Company of Nevada in Henderson. Shit, I put Hendersonville, but I'm it's just Henderson. <laughs> Henderson, Nevada, killed two people 
and injured 372 more Holy shit. in what has been called the largest domestic non-nuclear explosion in recorded history. Okay. So non-nuclear explosion, domestic, but like basically the biggest, at Only, least at the time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yes. So this is still not ringing a bell no. to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. me neither. I mean, I would have only been like three years old. I would have been so, eleven. Um, I would have I would have had my junior mullet at eleven. <laughs> I saw all the cute little pictures of you in your hockey days growing up. Mm-hmm. Those were so cute. Yeah. They're very sweet. You, you see, were a cute little kid. Do you, you see how the, the hair just kept flowing? I think you were too young <laughs> in the pictures that I saw. <laughs> But did you do that purposefully, or is it just Girl kind mullet? of what happened? Yeah. Yeah, um, that was on purpose. Did was, you know it was, was called style. a mullet at the time? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was just like I, I grew up on the border of Canada. That's just, <laughs> it's just what we did. There's a lot of bad hair in the 80s and 90s. Let's Probably in the that. 2000s, too, but it's not far enough There's away yet. There's always been bad hair. Yeah. The hair we think is good now is probably bad. My hair will always be good. You do spend a lot of time. I do. <laughs> You're way you gotta, pickier about you gotta, your hair uh, than I am about mine. Yeah, you gotta you gotta coddle your assets a little bit. <laughs> you think you're I've, well? You I've, do have a very. I have a full head of hair, and I'm forty two years old. You have a very full head of hair. That is correct. <laughs> that, that is that is something that literally. I think it's 67% of men cannot say at the age of forty two. Really, yes. there's some pattern of baldness mm-hmm. at, at that point. Yeah, um, and not only that, but your Head hair, top of head hair, is not terribly gray. You've got a, l- a little bit got a, got on, the, on, on the sides, but it's not mostly, bad at all. Mostly on my chin. Yes, which is why I think you should shave off your beard. I don't have a beard. I can't have one. Well, your facial hair. <laughs> uh, you a- should. Anyway. <laughs> let's deflect. <laughs> yes, let's deflect right. into a tragedy, which, so, <laughs> which thankfully is not my hair. <laughs> so have you ever heard of Pepcon? I haven't, okay. no. That's, that's not... Surprising. I think most people have only heard of PepCon, if they've heard it at all, in context with this disaster. So PepCon uh, was named for what it... So PepCon is a... Um, what do you call it? Acronym? Yes, acronym, uh, yeah. where yeah. each letter stands for something. I had to so, think for a second, too. Okay. Yeah, because yes, anagram correct. is when you can mix up the letters. Yes. And it, yeah. Okay. So it stood for the Pacific Engineering and Production Company of Nevada. Right. Mm-hmm. Although they gave the of. In well, they this, gave it. Yeah, and, oh, just but, to make it work. But then if they had, they should have given the and an A, which would have made it PeepCon. <laughs> <laughs> but then that, again, saying that, that, I can tell why they that didn't. might have been why they didn't go down <laughs> exactly. So if you Google PepCon now, like just PepCon, aside from the explosion, which will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, you'll come across the print and e-publishing conference, <laughs> but <Okay>. that's not this. <laughs> that's the new PepCon. <laughs> uh, so from so PepCon is no longer PepCon, but we'll get into that later. So, so in 1988, PepCon uh, had a chemical plant located on the outskirts of Henderson, Nevada, and we've kind of covered this area before because we did the fire right at the MGM Grand. Oh, yeah. Which is in yep. Vegas. Henderson is only like 10 miles outside of Vegas. So ba- basically the exact same area. 
really quick, just in case anyone's listening who may not know, Nevada is one of the southwestern states in the southwestern U.S., so it's kind of broadly where it is. Geography corner. Very quick geography corner. Uh, But Henderson itself has some interesting origins. So we know that Vegas was kind of built up like in the 50s-ish era, mostly. Before that. 40s? Yeah, like the 30s, when they started working on the Hoover Dam. Okay, but I guess I mean as what it is known today, like the, um, because gambling was legal Mm -hmm. early on and stuff. So that was the mobster days, like the 40s and 50s where they were building up that era. Um, Well, Henderson was also being developed at the same time, but not around entertainment and gambling. It was an industry and production town. So, and more specifically, it was mostly known for processing and supplying magnesium for munitions during World War II. Okay. So it was actually kind of a key spot doing a key job. Uh, So this town has a very long history of producing some very key, if kind of dangerous, items, right, in in industry. And also, uh, side note, it's known for its very hot weather. We talked about this because I, we're going to Vegas in late July, and I just learned this week that the average high in Vegas during this time of year is 105 degrees, and I'm just like, oh my god. It's a dry heat, though. It's not like here. I don't know. It isn't. It's not like here. Oh, I, I agree. I get that. I just may not be able to go outside. It may just be a little vampire. I'll see you at the pool. Okay. Well, <laughs> at night? <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so the Pepcon plant had been one of the plants that grew up along with the town. So this this plant was longstanding in Henderson. Uh, and about 100-ish workers worked there at the plant, mostly local people. So... Some people who were working there at the time of this explosion were old dogs. You know, they had been there for a while. They grew up in their careers together and maybe in some cases literally together. Common in that time. Yeah. A lot of people stayed in the same job forever. Exactly. Especially industrial jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this Pepcon plant produced ammonium perchlorate. So, uh, and it's... uh, um, abbreviated AP. So if I refer to it as AP, it's ammonium perchlorate. So, and at this time, Pepcon was only one of two companies that produced ammonium perchlorate. And so this is going to take us into Rachel Tries to Explain Chemistry Corner. Yay! <laughs> which should be so fun because I literally never took anything related to chemistry. I did take chemistry, but I don't remember goddamn things. So <laughs> either, either way. All I remember is my mom taught me a little thing. It was like, uh, here lies Harry, whose face will see no more, for what he thought was H2O was H2SO4, which is like sulfuric acid or something. Yeah, that, I don't know. that would have a bit of a different outcome. My, my mom took chemistry. <laughs> she, she wanted, did I ever tell you that she was initially going to school to be, go to medical school? She was going to become a doctor? I don't think you ever told me that, mm-hmm. no. That was her initial uh, interest. Hmm. And my, my grandfather was very keen on her doing that. But she was like, she went into college when she was like 17. She graduated young. So it was basically too much pressure for her early on. So, sure. I get that. 
<laughs> I only recently fell into my current profession like a year ago, so there you I, go. Can, I can understand that. So ammonium perchlorate is symbolized, and I just put in science language because I don't know what it's called. Yeah, science. <laughs> Emily will know. <laughs> um, but it's NH4CIO4. <laughs> I know that the, the little numbers mean something. They do. They do. <laughs> About atoms? I don't know. Or don't electrons. Remember. Sure. Or neutrons. All three. Or protons. All four. Yes. <laughs> or maybe that's why it has the number four, because it has all of those. Oh. That I don't could, think that could so. be. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I really don't. I took chemistry when yeah. I was like a sophomore in high school. So whatever. So like 40 years ago. No, it was not 40 years ago. <laughs> How long ago was it? Uh, less than 40. <laughs> Yeah, if you had taken um, chemistry when you were two, I'd be a little little concerned. Yes. So ammonium perchlorate is a it can be colorless and or it can be white. It's a solid, like a a clump or a powdery sort of thing, like a chalky kind of thing. Sure. Um, I don't know. I might be making that up, but just I saw a picture of it and it looked like um, a clumpy powder. If that makes sense. You know how powder can get caked up? Kind of like that. I, I do. Yeah. I work with it every day. That's true. You do. Very similar <laughs> to the stuff you work with, probably. Yeah. Is Does the stuff that you work with, is it odorless? Or can no, you smell not, it? No, you can smell it. Yeah. Some some of them, certain things have no odor. Uh, there's one protein, uh, or not protein. <clears throat> amino me. acid? Amino acid mm-hmm. that we use that literally smells like a dead rotted fish. Ew. I can't remember which one it is, but That's it's, it's awful. pretty awful. When Does you, anything smell good or is this gross? Uh, like I said, like, and plus being there for so long, a lot, you don't yeah. even kind of really notice it anymore. Yeah. But, uh, but that one, I can't remember which one it is, but it does. It smells like a dead fish. That's awful. It smells disgusting. But, no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get respirators or anything so you don't well, we have smell a, that stuff? We I have, have a mask, mask face. but you still smell it. Yeah. Ugh, I couldn't do that. I'm we don't use that product all very often. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, the worst smell, I mean, there's a lot of things that smell terrible, but um, dry erase markers always used to get me. Like when they switched mm-hmm. over in school from chalkboards to dry erase markers, uh, if I'm in an enclosed area with that smell, like that gives me a headache. It's, mm. it's really, ugh. Get some people high. They like it. Yeah, I don't, I've, never I've never understood, understood huffing. Never, <laughs> never understood, understood huffing. Either. For a couple of reasons. One, yeah, yuck. That stuff smells awful that you have to huff. And two, I don't know if this is true, but according to like Dare, <laughs> I took in fifth grade, um, huffing like is like Russian roulette. It, you can be fine after the end of any of it, or you can literally die after doing it. Sure. I is mean, that you're, true, Emily? I'm not... Well, I'm not Emily, but I'm well, also I'm, not I'm also you. not sure. <laughs> I'm asking Emily. Anyway, okay. So, uh, ammonium perchlorate is a powerful oxidizer. So, chemicals that oxidize, oxidizing agents, can make other substances lose electrons. I have no idea what that means. Uh, so, th- take that for what it is. I'm just parroting the internet right now. So, other than that. One of the U.S. Department of Transportation's definitions of an oxidizing agent, which makes sense that they need to be able to define it because this stuff gets transported. They have to um, have all the hazmat rules around it and everything. As, quote, a material that may, generally by yielding oxygen, 
cause or enhance the combustion of other materials, end quote. So in other words, oxidizing agents can help make shit explode. That's my takeaway from it. (laughs) So uh, in the case of ammonium perchlorate, it is made by combining ammonia and perchloric acid. That makes sense. Uh, Now, here's the main takeaway about AP as it pertains to this case and why they were making it at PEPCON. When combined with a fuel, ammonium perchlorate is used as a rocket propellant. Oh, nice. Yep, so it's part of rocket fuel, basically. It's not going to be dangerous at all. Nope. Very safe, obviously. So, yes, this this stuff can set off rockets, or more specifically, it makes rocket fuel burn faster or more readily. So... Um, So that means it's pretty dangerous (laughs) and and a little unstable, but apparently it's not inherently dangerous on its own from like a handling perspective. It still has to be handled with care because it's considered, quote, acutely toxic. Um, And it can cause a lot of problems and irritation to the human body if swallowed. Oh, I'm sure. Or if inhaled, like the dust is inhaled. Mm -hmm. But apparently just carefully handling it, like that's not inherently dangerous in and of itself. So now pertinent to this story is the time setting. So this is 1988. Uh, Something big happened in rockets two years prior. Yes, it did. (laughs) Yeah, so the Challenger exploded, mm-hmm. as we know. Um, and yes, Abby's mom, we absolutely will cover the Challenger explosion. It is on our list, but we just want to make sure we do it right. This is, That's going to be a biggie that we cover. It's not our 100th no. episode topic, but, but it'll be a big one when we do. Um, so one of the consequences of the Challenger exploding that comes into play in this story is that, it, like, obviously that was... The Challenger exploding was a huge moment culturally, but even more so, it was a pivotal moment in NASA's history. Oh, yeah. Right? And there was a giant shutdown mm-hmm. of the, the shuttle program. Basically, all shuttles were grounded for over two years, almost three years mm-hmm. after that. So during so this story takes place in May of 88. The Challenger happened in January, January 86. 86. So it was still in that shutdown period, but during that like grounding period, Pepcon was still making ammonium perchlorate the whole time, but it wasn't being used. It wasn't being shipped to NASA and it wasn't being used because they weren't needing to set off any rockets. So they had a bunch of this shit sitting around the plant. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, now, now you get why that was important. So, uh, And they ended up, at the time of this disaster, with about 4,000 tons of ammonium perchlorate. Just hanging around. Sitting around the plant in 55-gallon plastic drums. Yeah, I know exactly what those look like. We have a bunch of those around too. How big are they? I'm trying to like. They're not. It. They're really not very big because yeah. they're because they're plastic, so they expand and contract, so you can oh, fit. Okay. Well, with our stuff because yeah. we we're using powder, you can fit mm. a lot. You can fit a lot more into it than you think you'd be mm. able to. But the the drums themselves aren't very big. Okay. Um. So yeah. They're they're wide, but not very tall. 
Okay. At least the ones we use. They must be heavy. It's 55 kilograms, yeah. It's heavy no, shit. 55 gallons is oh, what gallons. I said. Oh, gallons. Oh, I thought you said kilograms. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then that's something different. Yes. My different mind measure. my mind immediately goes to kilograms. Ah, mm-hmm. Although it, they, it's 55 kilograms? Our drums are 50 kilograms. 50 kilograms, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I was like, that would be really weird if there were 55 gallon and 55 kilogram drums. Like 55 <laughs> is the magic number. Anyway. Um, so it wasn't just AP that was being stored at Pepcon. There was, there were other chemicals. That wasn't the only thing that they produced. It was the main thing, but, um, they stored, they made and stored nitric acid, which is another, mm-hmm. uh, oxidizer. And hydrochloric acid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's an acid that is 100% most definitely dangerous to mm-hmm. humans. Um, specifically, I saw that it was known to be, quote, corrosive to human skin. Yes, it will. <laughs> it will eat your skin. Ugh. So it's just basically like flesh-eating acid. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. So we have huge amounts of volatile compounds, toxic, flammable, uh, being manufactured Stored a little, well, overstored in a plant near a highly populated United States city. So what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. So we know exactly what went wrong, of mm-hmm. course. So on the night of May 3rd, 1988, there had been very strong winds uh, near the plant and winds damaged part of one of the buildings at the plant. So the next morning on May 4th, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> Very nice. Do you like that? Thank you. Yes. Uh, a maintenance crew worked to repair the part of the building that had uh, been damaged. So at some point on or around 1130, possibly up to 1140 in the morning, on May 4th, local time, a fire started near where the maintenance crew was. Um, we're going to get into potential causes, etc. later. Uh, but the maintenance crew around 11.45 a.m. started noticing this fire that oh. was burning. So so now here's the thing. It, ha- it, it This is all like estimated because we know when they saw the fire, but we don't know when it actually started. Sure. Because obviously it's just, when did the first person notice it? Nobody noticed it starting, but it was noticed um, burning by 11.45. So anyway, now fires did occasionally occur at this plant. Okay. I know it's a little, hmm, but part of it might be, I did hear some reference uh, or see, or because I watched a little bit of a documentary too that Michelle had uh, sent me a link for, um, uh, that there was certain amounts of AP and other chemicals that maybe like the dust of which had gotten on the floor or sure. around. So, so I guess the idea is that if there was ever any spark or anything like that, that a, a little fire happen. starting. Yeah. So I guess that did happen occasionally, not like frequently, but it, this was not the first time a little fire had started. And, up until this point, all the little fires that had started, they were able to, once they noticed they could extinguish it pretty quickly, not a big deal, move on with your day. So when the maintenance workers noticed this fire, at first it wasn't like a huge cause of alarm and panic. It was just like, okay, time to put this thing out. So 
they did so using water hoses, nearby water hoses. Now, I didn't hear at any point any reference to extinguishers, so I don't know if either water was like the better way to put out these fires or if that's just what they had available or I really didn't see much information on I'm that. I'm going to go with when you're dealing with corrosive, but the chemicals at this point are not on fire, correct? It's just a little... It is a fire. Okay. Um, we'll get into it in a little bit, but there were um, fiberglass panels in in this plant that the fiberglass easily caught on fire and like would propel pretty easily or... um burn easily, I guess. So it's it's unclear what exactly was on fire at this point. Okay. It is not hitting those drums of chemicals yet. Right. Yet being the operative term. But being what they work with in this plant, I wouldn't I would not think you would want to use water extinguishers. I'd think you'd want to use the um the chemical extinguishers, yes. right? Yeah, yes. the foam extinguishers. Yes. That would be my thought, too. I'm not sure why, and I really couldn't that's what find we much have. info on that's that. That's what we have all over our yeah. plant. We don't have any water. Ex- well, no, I think there are, like, Hoses, in the... Yeah. I think there are in the offices, there are, okay. like, water extinguishers. But in our plant, where I work, it's yeah. all the chemical extinguishers. Yeah, that's what I would think. But So I'm not sure why. But anyway. Um, so... Uh, one of the people who was trying to help extinguish the fire was Frank Quintana, a maintenance worker. And he said his account of this was that they were working on trying to, to extinguish this fire with the water hoses. But then they started hearing what he described as small explosion. Oh, Jesus, that's not good. So... Um, the what, fire... What exactly would a small explosion sound like? Now that's entering, like, would it be just a... <sighs> yeah, right. Well, I guess small... Instead of, instead of a boom? Small compared to what's about to happen, oh, I think, is the answer. Oh, I have some pictures, too. Let me see. If oh, here's... Here's an aerial view of the Pepcon plant, just for reference. Okay. We'll Hon- it it honestly looks like the same, because we have an aerial photo in our main office of oh, our really? plant. It looks Kinda like it's looks the almost same. the exact same size. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So what happened in this, quote, small explosion is that uh, the fire reached one of the 55-gallon drums oh. of AP and exploded. Uh, that was obviously a scary moment <laughs> for everybody involved, and a few people kept trying to fight the fire. Everyone else was like, "Get the okay. fuck out of here!" Yep, and they started um, evacuating yeah, let, the building, let, fleeing the let, building. Let the uh, professionals handle that shit. Like I'm, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we're gonna keep keep going, and we'll, we'll get to that. So, Jeez. eventually, those who were still trying to fight the fire started losing water pressure, and at that point, they're like, "Okay, now we don't have anything to try and stop this." So they got the fuck out of there too. Uh, So the fire was spreading rapidly, due largely because of those fiberglass panels. They were really Mm -hmm. helping accelerate the fire. So So everyone was evacuating the building building, uh, just as a chain reaction of explosions began as the flames began to reach a group of AP barrels and were like jumping from barrel Mm -hmm. to barrel, resulting in a giant fireball so this is all going very poorly now by this point the fire had been going on for several minutes that 
was known anyway. It could have been going on several minutes before that. And the word had already spread to the plant management about the fire. Plant engineer Dave Thayer, who had been outside watching, like keeping an eye on the whole situation, watching the fire progress, went back inside the administrative building at that point to make sure everyone had evacuated and that the fire department was being called. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, so... <laughs> okay. So we've, so we've got that down now. Yeah. Somebody had the brains to call the fire department. Well, so at 11.48 a.m., there was a major explosion. So I guess that's the difference between the small explosions and the major explosion that, like, knocked everybody to their feet. Like, literally. Yeah, I'm in, sure. in the immediate vicinity. At 11.51 a.m., 911 received a call <laughs> about the fire. Yeah, so when it took did, a while. Again, so, when did this technically... Well, when was it first noticed? Around 11.45. So it was within six minutes. So you can oh, okay. understand where thinking, they, they thought they had it con- under control for a few sure. minutes. Then that big explosion happened. And then it probably took people a couple minutes to recover. But I thought like the initial little tiny fires happened like, earlier than that. Well, see, they could have started as early as 11.30. Oh, okay, but, but yeah, but nobody knows noticed. for sure. Yeah. Okay. So no one could have called the fire department back because nobody knew that it was going on. So it was within a few minutes. It's just the problem was... It, the fire department wasn't called right away because, again, they were kind of used to a certain amount of small fires. So they were like, okay, well, we're just going to handle this our, on our own. I don't know, but okay. Similar so, to the MGM Grand. Like, oh, just people will know yeah, how to put, put out. Yeah, people put it out. That's why People know why how to put out okay. fires. Everybody in their spare time uh, trains as a firefighter. Exactly. We're, we're, we're confident don't of that. You? Always. <laughs> That's, that's what I was doing right before we recorded this. Oh, very good. I was running hoses up and down the street. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your service. So the caller, 2911, was the controller of PepCon, Roy Westerfield. So he was in the office area, and he called 911. Dispatcher answered the call, and he said, emergent, this is a quote, quote, emergency, we need the fire department. All you can get here immediately, end quote. And the dispatcher was like, what's the problem? Like, why? And he said, quote, oh, we've got everything's on fire, <laughs> end quote. He literally was like, it's just just everything's on fire. Please come quickly. So everyone, like I said, had gotten like knocked to their feet in that first ex- big explosion. So once they made their way, Back to standing, they literally just, like, people just got the fuck out of there. Anyone else who was left ran, drove, because they were at, you know, a plant, so they could just get in their car if Mm -hmm. they drove. People were, like, getting their coworkers in their car, like, come on, come on, driving, getting the fuck away from that place. So now, at this point, and I'll show this to you, um, I guess when we're done, but there is... Bird's eye footage, like filmed footage available of what happened next. Um, and that's because, and that, and that's from a, like a vantage point off of Black Mountain, a nearby mountain, because a, a telecom repairman was on his lunch break at the time, saw the fire at the plant, like way down from like an aerial view and had the foresight to be like, let me set up a camera. And he had a camera. 
why I'm not entirely sure, but he had an old uh, video camera. And so he set it up and caught what happened next. And it is like you watch it and it's pretty shocking. So around 1154 a.m. and I saw like 1153, 1154. But anyway, right around then the fire reached an aluminum bin containing about two tons or 1800 kilograms of ammonium perchlorate. It's like half of what they had. And the entire Pepcon plant exploded. Jesus Christ. And I might even, I normally wouldn't do this, but I might just take a second to show you this to get your reaction. Because I, you know, had read about it and I was like, okay, this happened, this happened. But then I saw this footage and I was like, holy shit. That sounds, it just sounds bad. You said, uh, how much of it exploded? What did you say? Two, two tons? Two tons. Okay. Oh, wait, I said they had 4,000 tons. Okay, that was not nearly half. I was thinking pounds. Anyway, yes, two tons. Pounds, tons, yeah. gallons, kilograms. We're using yeah. every uh, unit of measurement. We're using, using so many. unit of weight in this episode. All right. On to YouTube Explosion Corner. YouTube Explosion Corner. This is so good for podcasting. I should have had this pulled up. I apologize to everybody. Um, what is this? What? I'm trying to find just the explosion. Okay, um, I, I see it. Hold on, I don't want. I don't want you to see. I want you to see the actual. Ex- oh, there it is. This is very riveting. There it is. To the oh, audience, okay. I'm sure. So I'm not gonna put the audio on. Okay, that, that fucking thing is burning that's pretty the good. Fire, right? I mean, there's always been already been some explosions, but just watch. You'll know when the actual explosion I, happens. Well, the guy that called was right. The whole thing is on fire. Except for like one oh, nope. except for one building I can see. Holy shit. Yeah. There's a fucking goddamn Did um, you see the shockwave? Yes, that's yes. what I was trying to Holy fuck. You can see it spreading out. Like, oh, yeah. that's how fucking... Look, at there's a car driving away. That's what, yep, that's what uh-huh. that guy's... Holy yeah. shit. That's, I just wanted you to see that shockwave, because oh I feel like God. that's not... That's not what you expect in this. No. So here's, like, um, uh, stills of that, and that's Roy Westerfield. Holy fuck. You're supposed to take this. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this that explosion that you just saw. Was yeah, you don't see any deaths in that. You know, two people died. Mm-hmm. You don't see it. So, I would suggest anybody watches that just so you can get an idea of holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, I. I'm sure they felt that in Las Vegas. They said that Vegas wasn't very oh, yes. far oh, away. Oh, we'll get into that. Okay. Um, somebody on Instagram suggested that we put up pictures of, like. They said my favorite murder does a good job of it, and they're absolutely right. Um, of putting up on Instagram like photos that pertain to what we were talking about. So I'm going to try and do that this week. If I haven't, then I won't. But <laughs> I'm going to try. And Our and I need to Instagram followers. You will know if she did or <laughs> yes. she didn't. And I need to um, share that footage because that will give you an idea of what it was like. But yeah, the explosion measured at a three on the Richter scale. I'm surprised that's all it was. Right? Considering that um, you could literally see a shockwave. Well, so it was compared to a like an equivalency of a detonation of one kiloton of TNT. That sounds pretty bad. Um, which is roughly the same as an air blast nuclear detonation. This was essentially a nuke. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know. 
And like I said, it, it that footage is crazy. Or sorry, that footage is wild. And you yeah. can you can see the shockwaves. It looks like a nuclear bomb. Yeah, it, like, kinda, it, it, it really honestly does. does. Yeah. Uh, the Henderson fire chief was driving to the plant and was approaching the plant at the time of that explosion. And the explosion shattered his car windows. That was probably the car that they were, that they, that they Maybe, had zoomed in on. Maybe, I mean, there were on. a bunch in all were fairness. Were there? Okay. But yeah. Um, wow. So his windows shattered. And Injuring him, I'm sure, and to some extent. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the people fleeing the scene by car <laughs> advised him to turn around, being like, there's more shit in there. It could keep exploding. So he did. I mean, as a fire chief, he's like, we can't get near this right now. Like, this is all still too volatile. So he turned yeah. around. There, he's like, he's immediately like, we've got to call in reinforcements from all over the state. And and secure the scene before any of us can go here. Yeah. So, so he told the other Holy units, shit. like, no, don't go any closer. Turn around. A second high-impact blast soon followed at 11.57 a.m. This one measured at a 3.5 on the Richter scale. In all, there were seven explosions, the two huge ones and then a bunch of other ones, the impact of which were felt away, felt as far away as about 10 miles or 16 kilometers. So, yes, near Vegas or in Vegas, a giant 1000 foot plume of smoke coming from the plant could be seen almost 100 miles. away. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, because you're in the desert. You can see Mm -hmm. for fucking miles. Mm hmm. I mean, look where that guy had his camera set up. You right. Could, you could just see. Well, because just all flat. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Red- I, I am amazed that only two people are dead mm-hmm. in this story. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But 372 injured. That makes yeah. sense. And here's why. So residents nearby reported their house windows shattered. That, like, oh, this, I'm just sure. The, the sonic the shock. Yeah. yeah. Um, doors literally blown off their houses. People thought. It was everything, like, they were like, what the fuck was that? Some people thought that somebody was shooting, like there was an active shooter sort of situation. What I would have thought if I was there, I was like, are they doing another nuclear test and nobody told us? Or, this is 1988, is this the big one? Uh, Is this a nuclear bomb? People really did think it was a nuclear bomb. I guess. the Much Cold War like, was uh, the earthquake. The Valdivia yeah, that's earthquake true. last yeah. week. Yeah. But 88, the Cold era. War is winding down a little bit. The Cold War is warming up, as in becoming less. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> yes <laughs> Relations are warming up. It became the warm war. Yeah. This is a year before um, the Berlin Wall came mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Yep. What month was that? I want to say it was October 89. Okay, it's kind of later September, 89. October. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a marshmallow factory <laughs> next door to the plant called Kid and Company, which is now a part of Sather's. Well, it was very easy to make s'mores that day, now, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, I had to. Was... But it's funny. It's kind of funny. Thank you. At least I got it. Yes. <laughs> um, and that, that plant, that, um, building had been built M- just... No, it had been just built the year before. Oh, man. And yes, it was leveled. Yeah. <laughs> Along, Along with, with the all the marshmallows. Plant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so a lot of chaos ensued yeah, from people trying to flee the area. Also, people trying to come into the area to see That's what was true, happening. That's true, yeah. So they end up with like a giant traffic jam and just a logistical nightmare. Uh, so the two people who died in the disaster were the plant manager, Bruce Hawker, mm. and Roy Westerfield, mm. the controller who stayed behind to call 911. So this, this guy. Yeah. Mm. Little sad. Roy. Yeah. Um, so let me see. Oh, yeah. Here's the aftermath. You can kind of oh see. God. Where this is. That's that probably. You know what this looks like? This it's bottom pi- metal, this yeah. bottom picture looks like a 9-11. Ooh, yeah. It's just a bunch of twisted metal just from... fucking... Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to give you... Oh, and there's a guy standing in there. Okay, oh, so yeah. that gives it good scale. Mm-hmm. So that's about 30 feet high, probably. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. So, remarkably... Aside from those two people, that's amazing. That everyone only two else people. survived. Uh, oh, I said 372 injured before. It's 327, I think. I got my oh, numbers okay. inverted. But anyway, um, probably why so many people survived from the plant, especially like you get that people nearby while they'll have shock effects and injuries from windows and stuff like that. It's not death, you know, like not. They're probably not going to die from it, maybe injuries, but the people in the plant, certainly it was very possible that they sure. could get killed. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there was time that lapsed between when the fire was mm-hmm. noticed, there was people started getting time. out of there. Yeah. yeah. So that, that really There was about helped. almost 10 minutes, which is plenty of time. Right. To, exactly. To get, to get out of the... Yeah. Exactly. So 327 people, uh, an estimate, 327 people were injured, including 15 firefighters. Yeah, but uh, And some very seriously. About 100 people had to be transported to nearby hospitals. The rest of the people who were injured were able to go on their own. One survivor named Pat Rose had to have brain surgery. It was, he, he was injured so badly. Uh, the youngest person injured, this was such an interesting human interest story, uh, a human interesting story. The, the youngest person injured was born at 7.14 a.m. that morning on May 4th, 1988. Her name was Rebecca Wittig, and she was at a nearby hospital three miles from the site and was in the nursery and a nurse put her near a window oh, to have okay. some sunlight. Sure. The window shattered and um, sliced her eyelid, Ooh. the baby's eyelid. To clarify, she's now 30 years old, happy. It just left a little scar. She was fine. She can see. She's married, has kids, everything. She's There, there was no, no problems with her, so... <laughs> She's good. Not that <laughs> she remembers of, it ever happening, but even right. so. <laughs> uh, shattered windows were basically contributed to a large number of the injuries. That's the same with, um, um, although Oklahoma City was a crime, mm-hmm. that was what the majority of injuries came from was Glass. buildings all over the downtown. Uh-huh. All the windows got shattered, mm-hmm. and that's what people got shredded on yes, the street. Yes, I was going to say shattered glasses mm-hmm. is is a dangerous thing, especially if it's coming right at Same you. Same thing with that uh, that comment that hit Russia like four or five years ago. Oh, yes. I remember that. That's yeah. how pretty much everybody got Shock injured. waves. Yeah. yeah and shattered mm-hmm. glass. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So in addition to the two casualties and the many injuries, the explosions caused an estimated $100 million in property damage, which today is about $217 million. Wow. So... So plus they needed to build a whole new fucking plant. That's for damn sure. Well, let's talk about that. Oh, okay. So the Pepcon plant, which was six buildings, um, in addition to the Kid and Company marshmallow plant, um, was completely leveled. Oh yeah. And not only that, but uh, there was a giant crater left behind <laughs> on site, sure, fifteen feet deep. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, residents were evacuated from the immediate vicinity from a, f- a five mile radius or eight kilometers. And there were some concerns about, like, wait a second, okay, what exploded? Chemicals that are dangerous when you inhale them. So they. Is it in the atmosphere? Well, so they initially were thinking of increasing the radius of the evacuation to 10 miles or 16 kilometers, but they, they looked into it and the risk of respiratory distress wasn't. Like, basically, they made a calculated decision that it wasn't worth it. Um, And in all fairness, um, most injuries or reactions were not at all from any inhalation problems. There were respiratory um, problems. There there were a few people who were actually 30 miles or 50 kilometers downwind of the explosion who did report respiratory distress from the chemicals. But in all fairness... They were people who, uh, or and, and it wasn't even respiratory distress, it was respiratory irritation. But there were people who already had existing respiratory problems. So that actually didn't end up being a huge problem in this case, thankfully. You know, um, I, I think, yeah, I showed you all the pictures. Okay. So emergency responders had to be very careful in how they responded and approached this plant Obviously, because there had been a series of explosions, they had to be super cautious. The explosions had ruptured a gas line at the plant, which was fueling the fire. But fortunately, they were able to control that pretty quickly by shutting off the gas to the plant. Uh, So within about four hours of the explosions, hospitals were notified that they could deactivate their disaster plans as things were under control at the site. So they actually got a hold of it pretty quickly all things considered that's good yeah they had to be first (laughs) sure that more explosions weren't going to happen and then they had to cut cut off the gas to for the fire and knowing james is trained in this kind of stuff too when i went out to visit him in tucson that one time Mm -hmm. um, because there are chemical plants near where his fire department is Uh, um and chemical tankers are going through that area all the time so it sounds like it sounds like to me, like this fire department, obviously they knew this plant was there, probably knew what they had stored there, and probably already had a plan for, hey, yeah. in case this whole fucking thing goes up. Here's what we have to yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the primary investigation into the fire was undertaken by the United States Fire Administration, the USFA, and was headed by J. Gordon Routley. So the USFA, quick history, was formed under Gerald Ford, President Gerald Ford, oh, okay. as a result of the fu- federal file, federal, federal fire prevention and control act of 1974. So the USFA is now under FEMA, like as mm-hmm. far as uh, 
the who who's under who thing, uh, which is in turn under part of the very unnecessary Department D- of Homeland Security. Yep. Yes, FEMA, to be clear, is necessary. It's just they used to be their own independent agency. They did, yes. And then but, they got put 9/11. under the fucking DHS, which needs to go away. Mm-hmm. So anyway. The, maybe that'll be another Rachel Rance. Rachel Rance against ICE, <laughs> Department of Homeland Security. But, but Rachel, you don't understand. Uh, conservatives and Republicans are for smaller government. That, that's why they keep creating new agencies all the time. Fuck them all. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them all. Why do you want to fuck them all? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the report by the USFA concluded... That the fire had been ignited. Because that that's the whole thing. Everybody understood why everything exploded, right? Because sure. it was a fire. Yes. But why did this How fire start, did, right? Yeah. Um, the fire had been ignited by the maintenance crew that was working on the wind-damaged building. Specifically, they were welding. And oh, they said okay. that a spark, a rogue spark from a welding torch, set off the fiberglass partitions that spread to the barrels, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But the cause of the fire very quickly became a cause of controversy. So the U.S. Department of Labor and the Division of Occupational Health and Safety started an investigation themselves as well, although they weren't allowed on site, on the PEPCON explosion site, by the arson division of the Clark County Fire Department. So they were like, hey, hold on, we're here. So it took almost two weeks for them to be allowed on site, the Department of Labor and the Occupational Health and Safety. Uh, but once they were on site and were able to do their investigation, they discounted the USFA's theory about the welding. They said both scientific burn tests and eyewitness testimony disproved it. So, more specifically, they said the likelihood was, quote, very low that this was the cause because the welding had stopped 30 to 90 minutes before the fire started. So, like, they were basically done welding before 11 o'clock in the morning. The fire didn't start until 1130 at best, like at the earliest. So they're like, that would be a really weird rogue spark (laughs) that was able to like came an hour later hang around. Yeah. And they also were like, Oh yeah. Also where they were welding, that was 70 feet away or 20 meters away from the ignition of the fire, the source of the fire. So they're like, um, so it had to be a spark that stayed alive for at least 30 minutes and then traveled 70 feet on its own. So they're like, yeah, no, I don't think that was it. The Department of Labor also was like, oh, yeah, there's also a fair amount of evidence in this whole scene that a gas leak, a natural gas leak may have been present in the plant. Mm. So the United Steelworkers Union also investigated and released their own report in April of 1989. They were like, yeah, so we're saying the fire was caused by a natural gas leak. Uh, nothing to do with workers. And the reason the whole thing got out of control was PEPCON had not installed an adequate fire suppression system. And they had also been neglectful in observing safety codes and repairing faulty electrical work. So that was their assertion. So you have like three kind of different versions of the way this all went down. And in the end, the exact cause of the fire remains unknown. Still to this day. Yeah. Really? They don't know for sure. 
exactly what happened. So Pepcon was A-OK with the idea of a natural gas leak because it meant it wasn't their fault. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, blame. Like, that's it. Yep. yep. Blame Southwest Gas, the, the natural gas provider. So, and this was also a matter of survival for Pepcon. They had, this is like laughably sad. Um, how much liability insurance do you think they had on a plant filled with tons of volatile chemicals? I'm hoping millions of dollars worth. Or one. They had a mil, one, one that's, single that's million it. dollars of liability insurance. You gotta be kidding me. No. <laughs> okay. A million dollars, that's it. Like somebody who was. I have two million dollars of personal, <laughs> um, professional liability insurance. Like somebody who was 15 at the time could have told you that that was probably. It's off. ridiculous. That's it? It's ridiculous. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and obviously, this caused uh, a little more than that. Just a tad. <laughs> and damn it. So. Obviously, there was a shit show of litigation that happened, right? There were literally dozens of insurance companies, dozens of attorneys involved um, trying to just work it all out or fight it all out. So in the end, multiple parties, including Pepcon and Southwest Gas, settled out of court in 1992 for $71 million total. So that's about $131 million today. Okay. So it's a fair amount. And that money went to pay insurance companies and survivors and victims' families. I was going to say, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, though latter. I'm imagining the exact amounts of who got what weren't really Probably published. Yeah. yeah. Clark County, the county that Henderson is in, ended up themselves paying almost $4 million to insurance companies because they did not carry out adequate safety inspections at the plant. Hmm. So, uh, Pepcon got the fuck out of Henderson. They did <laughs> not rebuild. They are just like, okay, we're out of here. And their parent company, American Pacific Corporation, pretty soon, like, okay, Pepcon's not a thing anymore. We're calling you Western Electrochemical Company. And they became Weco. <laughs> and they're, like, they're like, Pep who? What? No more Pepcon. No more Pepcon. So they built a new ammonium perchlorate facility plant uh, because, remember, they were just one of two um, manufacturers of this. So this was probably a really lucrative business for them. They wanted to keep doing it. So they rebuilt for WECO um, near Cedar City, Utah. So they moved a little bit. Okay. But they moved to a remote area, not near... Many people <laughs> or other near, things. Not near anything. Uh-huh. I think there were like, there's like a 14 mile radius or something that they made sure was uninhabited uh, so that it would be unlikely that any explosion would cause damage or casualties uh, uh, in case of another incident, which happened on July 30th, 1997. An explosion at the plant killed one person and injured four. So clearly a much smaller disaster in scale. But currently, WECO in Cedar City, Utah, is the only manufacturer of ammonium perchlorate. Hmm. So. Well, I mean, we don't do space shuttle missions, missions mm-hmm. at all anymore. So. Yeah. But we still send up rockets, right? Like people to yep. um, the, uh, the International Space Station mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. 
So Kid and Company, <laughs> I know everyone was worried about the marshmallows, rebuilt oh. their plan, oh. but they don't <laughs> occupy it now. The old Pepcon site is now a commercial site with auto dealerships. <laughs> okay. So, there we go. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta recycle the way you can. I guess so. Like, yeah, you're standing on uh, what used to be a 15 foot deep crater. <laughs> We're gonna you, be near you wanna, there. You want to take this out for a spin? <laughs> We're gonna be near there. I was Should we thinking, stop at the Pepcon site? I was site? thinking of that the whole time. Let's go out and buy a car at the old uh, <laughs> Pepcon site. Um. Henderson, Las Vegas in general, has become less industrial and more of a... Well, just like all of the United States. Residential, yeah. In 1991, a swimming pool chemical plant in Henderson accidentally leaked chlorine into the air. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) Causing an evacuation order in the immediate vicinity and sending several people with respiratory conditions to the hospital. So because of that... And because of PEPCON that had just happened a few years earlier, in July 1991, the legislature of Nevada passed Senate Bill 641, the Chemical Catastrophe Prevention Act. And under the act, the Chemical Accident Prevention Program, or CAP, was developed, designed to regulate hazardous substances in the state through accident prevention, emergency response, and the public's right to know. And that, my friends, is the story. Of the Pepcon explosion. That's, again, I know I've said it like 10 times already in this podcast, but I cannot believe only two people died. This was a big, yeah. It's it's actually, it's weird how much um, the Valdivia earthquake and this actually have in common. Yeah, as far as the severity of what happened and how small the death toll was. Yep. If you just looked at that explosion on YouTube and oh, you, and you, had, no, and you had no context uh-huh. for it, if, if, if the only context you had for it was like a, a graphic that said this is a plant on fire, right? And then you saw that ex- you would uh, you would automatically assume hundreds or thousands of people are it dead. It sure looks like it. The fact that there were people on site during some of these explosions who survived, who survived. not unscathed, but no, still they're no, alive. Many were injured. Yeah, the, the one guy had brain right like, had to have brain surgery. He's still alive. Yeah, you know. Um, wow. What a fucking... Down to a baby three miles away getting sliced in the eyelid right? from the whole thing. It's just random. No, I have, I have never heard of this, and now I can see why it was the biggest non-nuclear right, the, subterranean um, humanoid <laughs> explosion, The largest it was. domestic non-nuclear explosion. Yeah, no shit. And somebody cut it on film so that you can see. It looks like a fucking nuclear it explosion. It looks exactly like a nuke. What I find so interesting is that that guy was just like on his little lunch break. And I saw a reenactment on one <laughs> documentaries. They showed him just like in his truck with his little hard hat, eating his little sandwich. Drinking a Pepsi. Probably. For this Pep- is Pepcon. Con. I don't know. Is Nevada Pepsi territory? No, we make Pepsi in North Carolina. Uh, but you know how, like, regionally they'll have their favorite Coke or Pepsi, you know? Do they? I feel like that's, like, Pepsi, this is Pepsi country, and uh, I don't... Uh, anyway, <laughs> drinking his little Fanta. <laughs> it's Fanta. And, and eating his little bologna sandwich, and then he sees this fire, and he's like, Oh, hey, I got my, uh, my camcorder in the back here. I, I don't know why he's from Minnesota. <laughs> And just like, I'm going to set up and take some film. And he literally had a tripod. Oh, I'm sure. And he set it on his little tripod. 
He reminds me of my grandpa because my grandpa was an early adopter of a lot of technology. Well, he reminds me of Uncle Carl. Mm. I mean, Uncle Carl did the exact same job that this guy was doing, and Uncle Carl had that's true, yeah, all sorts of any new technology that ever came out he had it somewhere. But then, much like my grandpa, he stopped at one point. Yeah, I think he stopped because uh, <laughs> they sold their house. Oh. <laughs> I think that's the only reason. Well, that, and also it's only certain types <clears throat> of technology. Like, I don't think Uncle Carl has, like, always wants the latest and greatest iPhone. <laughs> he doesn't nowadays, but trust me, in the... If he'd in the, been younger, In yeah. the 70s and 80s and 90s, when there was literally a tech explosion, uh-huh. most, he had it all, like... Like they were the first per- people I knew that had a computer. What computer? Uh, he had a Mac. He did. I think he had okay. the Apple II. Okay, we had um, the Commodore sixty four. <laughs> uh, he did have a camcorder. He, I mean, he had everything. He had a fucking. They had a teletype in their basement. What What is a teletype? It is basically picture like the old uh, like mainframe computers. That's essentially what it was. Like like the ones that you had to put punch cards mm-hmm. into. Yep. Oh wow! Yes. Yeah, that was in there. When they had to move out of their house mm-hmm. in like 06 or 07, because they sold their house and moved to Florida. Right. And it was also the same time my grandmother died. Uh. So I went over, I think that was probably the last time I was ever in that house. Mm-hmm. But Chad and Tim were starting to clean stuff out. I remember looking around the basement and being like, I'm not going to be anywhere near any of this. There was so much. <laughs> you probably could have built with like the amount of wood and. Just random. You probably could have built like a small town with the amount of shit that he had in his basement. (laughs) I'm not even joking. You already had your teletype, so you had your communications all set. (laughs) Was he a prepper? I'm not sure. No, he would have had like canned food and shit. Well, I mean, they hunted, so they they had plenty of that. I mean, they had plenty of guns, so maybe he was. Maybe he was a prepper before that was a thing. Who knows? He was a Vietnam vet, and he didn't come back completely in one piece, mentally, so maybe he was. Anyway, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Uncle Carl. He's not listening. You know Uncle Carl's not. We love him, too. We love Uncle Carl. But, uh... He doesn't love Jane Fonda, though. No, he does not. (laughs) He specifically very much does not like Jane Fonda, (laughs) which you found out the very first time you met him. Oh, yes! (laughs) But, uh... That slut... But I That's mean, an inside joke. I don't think Jane's, Jane Fonda is a slut. <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean the the size of this explosion is just, and the fact that somebody Massive. caught it on film. That's is I think that's amazing. In yes. 1988, I mean that's the interesting well, that's thing. When, that's when camcorders weighed like the size of like your car. Right. <laughs> that's is that a dig on camcorder sizes or my car? Both. Okay. <laughs> um. That's the thing about some of these disasters that happen, like, 70s, 80s, yeah, there's 90s. No, there's no footage of it. No, no, no. That, that there is occasionally, because that's when it really kind of started. But then once we get into the 2000s, oh, everyone's got their phone. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, uh, and people say this all the time, like, if 9-11 had happened in the days of the smartphone, right. there would literally be millions of videos. Which, uh, yeah, that's, that's... I remember, um, is there any actual footage of the first plane hitting? One known that was taken by the uh, film crew that was filming the fire department. That's right. One known. I mean, there could have been somebody sure. recording out of their apartment window in Jersey. I mm-hmm. mean, you can see you can see the Manhattan skyline from everywhere yes. in that uh-huh. surrounding area. Uh-huh. So, there, But there's that's why they say there's one known. And then the second, there's of course, tons, yeah, because tons. there were so many cameras trained on mm-hmm. it at that point. Yeah. And at that point, the, the smaller camcorders mm-hmm. were coming around. like The, the handheld ones, yes. yeah. And mm-hmm. anybody who was, 
at that time traveling to New York City and had one of those things was Brought going it, was yep. going to bring it. Mm-hmm. You know, so a camcorder. When's the last time you saw a camcorder? I don't. Do they even sell them anymore? Is there any use for I them don't anymore? No. People have shot entire movies on an iPhone. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so much for technology corner. But yeah. uh Yeah, it was yeah, a wild I, I, one. Again, for the tenth for the tenth time, I implore everybody listening to this, definitely look at that video on YouTube. I'll try it to will, remember to put it up. Yeah. yeah. It will Give you That's a, the best I can offer. Because when you were telling me, like, oh, it's, I was just like, it, it can't be that bad, but oh, it's. That's why I wanted to show you. I'm like, I don't think you realize what this looks like. Yeah. Because I, did I didn't even. I was like, oh, okay, it was the equivalent of this, whatever, whatever. But then you look at it and you're like, shit. Yeah, when you're reading about it, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, your, your mind only goes to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to, wow, that looked like a nuclear explosion. Exactly. Jesus. So, wow. So that was the Pepcon explosion. Yes. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week and... Know your exits.